Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team's sales? Have you tried sales training in the past but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year-long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. You can learn more at criteriaforsuccess.com. That's criteriaforsuccess.com. Today's podcast is part of our CFS Talks Sales series, where our team here at Criteria for Success shares sales ideas, techniques, tips, and insights for our listeners. This series is all about growth, improvement, and producing breakthrough results. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and today I'm talking to our very own Director of Marketing, Rebecca Toomey. Thank you so much for being here today. Hello, thank you for having me. This is another of those kind of flipping the script podcasts where (laughs) I I interview you instead of you interviewing somebody else. Um, and the reason that I am hosting today is Rebecca just published a brand new ebook called Increase Collaboration Between Teams From Sales to Sales, Sales to Marketing, and Beyond. I feel like we should have a little like, do do. <laughs> Definitely grew up in the, in the uh, to- Toy Story times. Yes. So, you know, to infinity and beyond, we will definitely. Uh... <laughs> We will achieve it all. Collaboration between all teams. Indeed. Um, and so for everybody listening, you want to make sure to grab a copy of that ebook. You can find a link to it in the show notes for today, which you can find at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod one, two, five. We're all the way in episodes 125. Isn't that is crazy? Insane. It's great. We have recorded 125 shows. I just, I'm mind boggled. I, I Me too. And you're the one who has recorded most of them. So uh, time flies, and you're having it fun. Does indeed. All right. So uh, with with all that said, let's jump in. What inspired you to write about collaboration? Well, you know, as our listeners hopefully know by now, we are all about solving problems. That is what why this podcast exists. We want to provide solutions for problems. We want to talk about the issues that are really hard to talk about in business and in life. And you know. This idea of collaboration and effective collaboration Mm -hmm. is a problem for a lot of our clients and I am sure for a lot of our audience members as well. If it's a problem for our clients, I guarantee you there are some people out there that probably have this problem. And you might be asking, how do you know that collaboration is a problem or is the problem at the businesses that you're working with? Mm -hmm. And I'll say this, that we found if a company is struggling to grow, there's a breakdown somewhere, clearly, right? There's a problem. And typically, this breakdown is often a result of poor communication among the team or systems not being in place. This shows up in things like best practices, not having best practices, not having good best practices, training, either there's no training, not effective training, maybe the company isn't creating or setting the right goals or forecasts from a company level or from an employee level, the salespeople aren't setting the right goals. Whatever the case is, these are all people problems. Yeah. And they're related to this idea of collaboration. Absolutely. We so often find, um, a kind of especially in the area of sales, uh, organizations don't always have 
the the value of collaboration. They don't maybe recognize the value of collaboration as yeah. much as they yeah. might between other teams. And it's so incredibly important. Like you said, um, the first step that we do in our engagements with our clients is an exploration where mm -hmm. people take a very robust uh, time-consuming <laughs> survey. The first step to sales recovery <laughs> yep. is an assessment yeah. of the problem. Yep. Sitting for an hour taking a survey. And um, something that comes out time after time with uh, many of our clients in various industries with different um, products and services that they sell is, uh, like you said, communication between teams. And when it comes to sales, we hear things like, you know, my goals are just set for me and they're not realistic. Mm. Or, mm. Um, you know, from one. management, we hear, uh, we, we think that, that accounts should be growing this certain level in this certain way and they're not. And you've got teams developing goals, kind of the salesperson might have goals for themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, the organization sets goals and those are completely different. And instead, Absolutely. if you were to collaborate on goal setting and account planning, you would end up on the same page at the very least. Um, and you might end up realizing you need to make different strategic decisions. Yeah. Um, sometimes we find that goals are set for sales that are at such a high level and sales knows they can't hit that goal. And then if the organization thinks you're going to get that out of sales, at the end of the year, you look back mm -hmm. and you didn't achieve the result. And yeah. if sales had been involved, had been involved in collaborating and that's in setting the goals, the organization could realize maybe we need to hire a few more salespeople. <laughs> uh, it can really inform big picture decision making. You know, wow, we've got people, you know, um, loaded up in one territory. And if we collaborate with that group and, and build plans together, they might realize that territory is kind of at capacity. Mm -hmm. Instead, let's reallocate those people elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so it's all about getting together and communicating. It's very interesting because when we have problems in our personal lives and our personal relationships and really sit down a lot of the times, the biggest issue is poor communication. That mm -hmm. People aren't communicating in the same place. Mm -hmm. We're not on the same wavelength, so to yeah. speak. And you think, oh, well, you know, this is my personal life. Business is business. But people are still people when they're at work or when they're at home. And so, you know, we have to really consider and think about this overlap yeah. of the, the, the human part of this. Definitely. <laughs> the human part that's in this and how we all play such a huge role. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but we all play a big part and a big role in the businesses that we work in. It's not as easy as I am a individual, I'm just going to show up, do what I got to do and call it a day. Yeah. You are a very important piece in a mechanical system, you know. Absolutely. You are part you are just a little piece that is in the system anyway. Yeah. And it's a critically <laughs> important piece. Now, I might have already kind of asked this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So you open the ebook with a lot of context setting about why collaboration is important in business. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I know we've already yeah, kind yeah. of covered all of exactly. that. Exactly. I was already kind of like jumping to that a little bit. So I'm glad that we're kind of getting getting to that point. And you're asking why it's important in business. I'm going to give you a non-business response first to get us back oh, there. <laughs> So as we all know, the Super Bowl just passed. Mm -hmm. And when I was watching it, it got me thinking of this idea of teamwork, mostly because I had a lot of time to think because it was so boring. But <laughs> it was pretty deathly boring. That is the one football game I watch every year. And um, yeah, I, I was finding it difficult. I was actually, if I had to pause um, to like do something, you know, in the kitchen or restroom or anything like that, um, and I would come back, I would fast forward the game so I could make sure to watch the commercial. Yeah, you didn't miss much. But, um, you know, it was a pretty slow game. But prior to the Super Bowl, I'd actually come across an article that was about the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. Mm -hmm. And the article, I think it was from Inc., it was about how he was able to take a team that was essentially losing and bring them to Super Bowl, which is a pretty big feat. 
especially mm-hmm. the big thing for him is that he's a young guy. He's 34 years old, and he was able to, to bring a team to Super Bowl so quickly after becoming a coach just last year. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was really interested in, in this from a leadership perspective, from a business perspective, and how this crosses over. And they said that his success started from his very first day, that he really took the time to get to know each player, each coach, each coordinator from the beginning, which is something that apparently not most people do. They're, they were saying that there are some coordinators that don't even know who the other coaches are. Oh, my goodness. And, like, people don't know people's names. That seems not effective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem like a good way to go. But he did the opposite. He got to know everyone. Um, by the end of the first week, he knew every player's name, every coach's name, every court, every person's name that he was around. He knew them. And then he was able to really focus on talents and figure out how to get the best out of each player by focusing on their strengths and not their weaknesses, and just hyper-focusing on, you're good at this, I'm going to put you in this role. You're good at this, I'm going to put you in this role. You need to speak to this person, you guys are having to communicate. And he was just basically a master coordinator. Yeah, it it sounds like like it. I always apply sports analogies to hockey, because uh, that is my (laughs) sport that I understand. Um, And it is, when you think about it, I know in many sports you have this, there are um, specific coaches that work on different elements of the process. So in hockey, Mm -hmm. you'll have like a special teams coach that just works on the power play and the penalty kill. I know in football, they have like offensive coaches and defensive coaches. There you go. There we go. I feel super smart. (laughs) Um, And if they are not collaborating together, and they're not collaborating with the head coach, you're going to end up with strategies that are wildly different. And they may individually be solid strategies but think of the players who have to implement them and they're being told by one coach focus on this thing and told by a different coach focus Focus on this other thing and then they're having to do a lot of mental switching and a lot of extra work and if you can instead have coaches that are all working together getting things on the same page at their level that makes it much easier for all of the players to not have to do as much kind of mental work and they can just focus on being the best they can be. And I think that's really applicable to business. Absolutely. And, you know, we know that the outcome of the Super Bowl was probably not what Coach McVay was looking for (laughs) and what he was working towards all year, but he made huge strides by just getting this team to the Super Bowl, which is commendable. And I'm really, I'm mentioning this story for a few reasons. And first of all, business is not a game. I think that there are a lot of lessons we can take from this. Absolutely. And the first being that in business, it really takes the team to win. Yeah. You have to have one person cannot bring a company to success consistently time, 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 time for years and years. You can't have a superhero. If that was how it works, there would just be millions and millions of one person businesses out there, you know, and that's, well, there are a lot of them and many of them fail. (laughs) There are, however, (laughs) you know, there are a lot of businesses that, I mean, let's talk or think about Google and how many people work there or, you know, some of these bigger corporations. It takes a lot of spokes in the wheel to keep it, as Charles would say, spokes in the wheel. (laughs) Yes. To keep it rolling. Definitely. And it takes a team to really make a company successful. And that I think that team needs leaders or coaches to coach their team to success. It needs winning plays, which are going to be your winning best practices and processes it takes needing to know the competition that you, who are you up against and you also really need to know how to pivot quickly and make decisions quickly and how the team can work together to win together so i think that this kind of goes back to this first question of what inspired me to write this book this is really it i think that it takes a team to succeed a team to win and that's why i wanted to really tackle this topic 
Definitely. And I think that analogy also really holds true because obviously many of our listeners are sales leaders and managers and executives and um, that you're in the position of a coach mm, and absolutely. collaboration and the value around collaboration and creating a culture of collaboration that has to come from the top. Um, if you are a salesperson within a larger sales organization you might have a desire to collaborate and you do have some ability to collaborate. I don't want to shut that down yeah. and say that you can't, but your ability is much more limited mm -hmm. than if leadership were to come in and say, we're going to create spaces for collaboration. We're going to create a structure for collaboration. We're going to create um, processes that drive collaboration because if you're just one person, you know, within the process um, as a salesperson, you don't have as much ability to, to influence that as a leader does. And so it, yep. it's up to the coaches, the leaders to set the context. And then that rolls down and that people can be a part of that. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of culture, in the second half of the ebook, you're providing ideas for creating collaborative culture. I don't want to give the whole ebook away. Um, people need to actually download and read it, which again, you can find at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod125. Um, but one topic that really stood out to me, and we've kind of touched on this a bit when I talked about the exploration, is a, the idea of a culture check and yeah. starting um, and improving culture by doing a culture check. Why do you think that's important? That's a great question. And, you know, it can be really hard when thinking about collaboration. It's like, oh, well, how do I get my people to collaborate together? And they're, they're all just trying to do their jobs. They don't want to worry about this. This is this is too high pie in the sky type of talk, you know. Mm -hmm. But the thing about it is you need it in order to be successful. And that's why I started with culture check as the very first idea for creating a collaborative culture. Because if you are unable to see where the problems lie, you're not going to know how to solve them. So what I recommended doing to start is creating a survey. You can use a resource to do that, a software like SurveyGizmo or SurveyMonkey or there's a lead forms, I think is another one. There's a million survey things out there Indeed. that you could use. <laughs> it's amazing. But um, just asking questions like, how can we improve in the area of collaboration? What do you think about our culture in terms of collaboration. Do you see yourself collaborating with others? Do you collaborate with other people's people's people? <laughs> Are you open to being coached? How do you feel about getting feedback? Things of that nature. I give you actually, there's a lot of different questions that are in the ebook that you can ask. So if you want that list, grab the ebook. But um, I think it's important to just get a feel for where people are so that mm -hmm. you know where to go. And you know, if you're just one person in the organization that's like, this place is far apart, nobody's collaborating, everything is broken, and you survey your team, you might find you're the one that's not collaborating with them, <laughs> or you, you never know. Definitely, and I think um, one element to that survey as well that's so important is actually um, understanding from the team where do they think are the spaces that they want to see collaboration? Absolutely. Because you might think, I want collaboration around product development. Mm -hmm. And your sales team doesn't want to collaborate in product yeah. development. And they feel like they don't have the skill set. And they just want another team to do that. But you might not see that they want to collaborate in setting goals. Mm -hmm. And they really want to collaborate there. Or in defining territories. Or in naming target accounts. Uh, really letting people kind of express a desire to collaborate in specific areas can be really helpful. You don't want to be too democratic sometimes. You don't want to completely open it up. If you need them to collaborate somewhere, sometimes you just have to make that, that yep. choice. Yep. But in general, it's a good idea to, in that survey, kind of evaluate from the team, where do they think are some opportunities for collaboration? Where do they wish they had the chance to collaborate 
where maybe they don't have a voice and they want to be able to provide their voice, as well as where they would like to hear other people, other teams' voices that they're not getting. And so, you know, where do you want to collaborate into another team's process? Where do you want other teams to collaborate into your processes? Those are really good questions to ask. And you'll probably get some great insights, especially, by the mm -hmm. way, if this is an anonymous survey. Yeah. And making sure that um, you're giving people the chance to kind of share anonymously. That's true. I was going to say, if it's not an anonymous survey, that you kind of are able to probe for, probe for some buy-in, like to kind of see who's engaged in this idea, especially if you're asking questions like, are you open to being coached, receiving feedback? How open is your manager to feedback? You can kind of like start to gauge things, but it does make things hard when it's not anonymous as well because people might hold back. So yeah. that's something to consider when you are creating your survey is whether you would like it to be anonymous or whether you kind of want to know so you can start to gauge things. But either way, after you do a culture check, it's so important when you're rolling out initiatives that are related to collaboration that you're getting buy-in from people because if yeah. they're not open to these things, they're not open to being coached or they're not open to working with other people or working with other departments or changing the way that they work, then you're going to just run up against resistance. And that is not, not, a, not a good thing. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, I really think uh, you mentioned a couple of things there that, that really stood out to me. So first of all, just kind of brainstorming a little bit, you know, if you want to get that anonymous survey, but also want to give people the opportunity to contribute, you can always have a field at the end where, you know, if you're comfortable providing your name for follow up, um, because you're interested in stepping up, mm -hmm. feel free, but that's not a required field. Or you can have, you know, click here to send an email um, indicating your desire to participate in collaboration. Something like that can be sure. helpful. Yeah. Um, there's ways yeah. to kind of do that hybrid anonymous slash non-anonymized <laughs> um, survey. But then as you were talking buy-in, that's so important. And one thing that's powerful about surveys, just doing that initial culture check creates some overall weight toward buy-in on the team, right? If if I feel like I'm not being listened to, I feel like management is just kind of doing stuff, um, literally taking that survey is a first step of collaboration. I'm collaborating on providing yep. feedback yep. to leadership. Yep. That's collaboration. And then um, if leadership rolls out a program, rolls out an approach, I at least feel like I was a part of providing information to guide how they made that decision. Um, and that's a really good step to buy in. People feel bought in when they're part of that decision-making process. Definitely. Definitely. I agree. Totally. <laughs> it's um, very important. Buy-in is the biggest thing. And, I, and that's something I don't even sometimes think about talking about it very much. Like I didn't write too much about it because I feel that I write it so, so frequently. And these eBooks that whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's new, you've got to get people bought into it and you have to ask for it. You have to really focus on, you know, making sure that people are open to it, whether it's sales training, development training, leadership training, any sort of activity where people are actively doing, you know, things that are outside of the scope of just their daily job. They're supposed to be selling or yeah. managing. Sure. You know, you're pulling them out of that and saying, uh, you need development or I want you to be developed. People take that in different ways. So just making sure that everyone's on the same page is very important. Definitely. And as you've been talking, I started to think about an ebook that I wrote. Uh, it might have even been two or three years ago, uh, the change management ebook. Ooh, that's a great and one. And we will include a link to that in the show notes. Um, change management 
as a concept is yes. all about collaboration and buy-in. Um, the whole principle of change management is when you're making a change, when you're implementing something new or you're deciding to switch from doing something one way to something a different way, um, how do you manage that change, hence change management, um, <laughs> in such a way that people um, get in involved and engaged and buy-in and actually follow through? And a story that I have that I didn't even include in that ebook. Um, my first job after college, I was working um, in the school that I graduated from, and they were updating their computer system that kind of ran all the back-end processes of the school, registration and um, class schedules and um, tuition and all that information. Um, they were updating the system from a system that had been implemented before I was born. <laughs> so I would have been 21 at the time. So the system was like 23 or 24 years old. You know, the like black screens, white text, yeah, um, yeah. just a mess. And we were managing um, through the IT function, the process of switching over. And so that involved a lot of technical setup. You know, we've got to clean up the data. Oh, it needs to be presented. You know, if they're married people, they used to be in one field. Now they're in two, all of that. Um, technical stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people think that's all I need to manage is the technical stuff. You know, mm -hmm. can we switch from system A to system B? The whole other piece of that is the people side. Yeah. And we had users who had been working on that system for 25 years, right? And they liked it. It made sense. They showed up to work on Monday and it looked the same as it always looked. And they were resistant to that change. And so change management is the people side of bringing people along through the process. And why this is, um, why this kind of came up for me is you need collaboration from that group at the beginning mm. for them to buy in mm -hmm. on the rest of the process. Absolutely. If you just come to your team and you're like, guess what? I have a new, like, <laughs> ta-da, I'm the hero. Here's a new system that we have. I got it all ready for you. Here's what I want you to use starting today. Um, guess what? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's it might not, not going to work. About not it. so much. But yeah. if you say, "Hey, um, it, you know, here's why we've decided to make this change. Um, here are the reasons for it. Here, even maybe getting the team to be involved in picking the new platform, so you're not just rolling it out to them. Yeah. Um, and then as you customize it, as you move forward, having beta testers, having power users, um, then they're your champions within the rest of the team. That collaboration mm -hmm. makes it so that when you finally flip the switch and say, "Okay, we're using the new system," um, you don't get a lot of resistance, you know, resistance yeah, and questions and confusion. Oh my gosh, you just made me think that when you were telling the story about State Farm, mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends that own State Farm agencies and work in State Farm agencies, and I don't know if you know this, but their internal program is still essentially MS-DOS. Oh, well. And when they run <laughs> reports, it's the most hilarious thing because the black screen comes up and they're, they type everything in. And, every, and every time I'm like, this is what you're working with here? And they're like, yep, <laughs> hasn't changed for 25 years, 30 years. At this point, that system. might be 35 years. I mean, oh, that's, that's. And it sounds like it's working. So that's why they're not moving it to make it prettier. Mm -hmm. And they know how to use the system. So I guess it's working, but uh, it makes me laugh every time. And I mean, some of, some of them are like, they got to change this. This needs to get updated. This is craziness, but. Yeah, but we see it all the time in companies um, where you'll think, you know, I want to implement a CRM system, or I want to switch from one CRM system to another, or I want to change our sales process, mm -hmm. or I want to get marketing involved in um, generating and nurturing leads, I want to build out an inbound marketing process. And um, back to collaboration and, and kind of getting buy-in, one of the first things that you need to recognize is, if you are a leader and you've made a decision, you have a lot of 
backstory that mm. you understand True. about why that decision needs to be made. And you've been on a journey of learning and discovery and evaluation, and you have finally gotten to the end point of making that decision. And then a lot of times what happens is you roll out the decision and none of the backstory. Absolutely. And Absolutely. again, you're stifling collaboration. And so you need to bring people on that journey with you. Maybe where possible, it's a good idea to actually get um, key leaders from other teams involved in some of your initial meetings. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking we might need to make this decision. Um, I don't want to make it on my own. Let's work together. But if you can't or if something comes up or whatever it might be, what you want to make sure is, you know, maybe you've made the decision. Take people on that journey with you. Say, you know, hey, we discovered when we were analyzing last year's sales, um, we didn't have the right analytics. We didn't have the right information to make good strategic decisions. Here's what we had. Um, here's the problems that caused. Here's the feedback we got from the finance team or the board. And so because of that, we decided we need to implement a CRM system. Mm -hmm. Something like that where you're actually bringing people on the journey with you. Ideally, again, you're creating that collaboration from the beginning. Yeah. If not, have at least that one kind of collaborative conversation where people can kind of follow along with you. Um, a lot of times we find that that resistance comes when something is just kind of handed to you. Like, here, we have made this decision. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, that's not a really good place to be. And, sure. you know, again, the principles of cha change management, it's all about guiding people through the process, communicating. You can't over-communicate. It's not possible. Um, and uh, just, I know that sparked kind of a little bit of a rabbit trail, but it's so incredibly important. Definitely. Totally agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So speaking of collaboration, um, pivoting back to the original outline for the, the conversation today, um, Calavia, which is our sales playbook platform made for your team, by your team, <laughs> it Love was it. designed to drive collaboration. That is the whole point of it. Um, can you talk for a little bit about just the concept of building a sales playbook and how that can help your team develop a culture of collaboration? Absolutely. I mean, we all know that there are sales mavericks out there that are just kind of succeeding because they figured it out and they know what they're doing and they're, they're doing it. But unfortunately, usually it's one or two people within an organization. And then the other salespeople, you'll, you'll have some that are doing well. You'll have some that are having a hard time getting up to speed. And what we've kind of figured out here at CFS is that leveraging those top performers, mm -hmm. leveraging those that are finding the winning plays, the ones that are good at figuring out how to scope things out, how to find the right prospects, how to communicate with them effectively. A lot of times you don't realize it, but you've already got a secret weapon at your office. It's just about allowing your team to collaborate openly with each other so that this all comes out and that you're sharing things like success stories and winning plays and what is working. So Calavia, as you mentioned, that was its purpose and the reason for its design. And I still, I tell people this all the time. I probably told this story a million times that mm -hmm. I remember when I was first introduced to the playbook and I was like, wow, this is exactly what I felt like I had been missing as a salesperson. That we all talk a lot. We, obviously we're in sales, we're talking all the time, but we don't talk to each other and share with each other as much as we could or should mm -hmm. because we don't have a tool to help us facilitate that conversation. And that's really what your playbook should be. Absolutely. Is the tool and the place to go to do this with each other. So the Calavia Sales Playbook has five areas. We call them the five success areas. And those areas are prospecting, selling, support, system, and team. And within each of those five areas, you've got your winning best practices and your ways of driving that success forward. 
And again, the intention is not that one person knows everything and is just creating this like, oh, I, I know how to win. I've done it. Because every person is different and not mm -hmm. every salesperson is going to be able to sell and communicate the same way. The way that I communicate is very different from the way that you communicate versus Absolutely. Charles versus Eric. Anyone within our organization is going to speak in a different way. We're different people. And so it's about taking the way that someone else wins and making it fit for you as a person, but mm -hmm. also being consistent across the company. Definitely. Um, I don't know if you want to speak more to that. <laughs> no, definitely. And I think um, one really important principle, and this is applicable a lot of times in collaboration, is you need to set a foundation that you're providing collaboration um, within, mm -hmm. uh, set a context. Because you can just say, I want sales and marketing to collaborate. Yeah. What does, what that, does mean? that mean? Sure. But if you say, I want you to collaborate on our lead nurturing process. Here's the process as we currently have it defined. How can we make it better? Mm -hmm. Or even better, how can we make it better in this specific way? We want to improve um, the conversion rate from initial leads we've captured to the leads that end up um, as qualified. How can we do that? Or maybe we want to collaborate on increasing the velocity of that process. Those are two completely different conversations. And um, that will drive different results. Now, again, you cannot mandate too much and you don't want to put, you know, very rigid lines. Yeah. But if you're just starting from a blank slate and saying sales and marketing collaborate, <laughs> sit in a room together kind of blank stares looking at each other, that's not going to work very well. And so one of the other main purposes of the playbook is you, you have an initial stage of content development of documentation and then you collaborate on top of that. You collaborate to build the content the first time. Yes. But then moving forward, when you want to improve something, you have a starting point. Yes. And that's so incredibly important. Definitely. All right. Um, last question. I know this has been a fun conversation. We always we always love recording podcasts together. Uh, I always enjoy these ones, but definitely um, we want to wind this down. So what <laughs> other resources would you recommend for people as they're evaluating their team's collaboration and working to improve it? Are you ready to take notes? Because I have a lot. Oh, <laughs> My well, pen is warmed up. First of all, definitely download a copy of this ebook. Yep. Um, this is, you know, something that is near and dear to my heart right now. So grab a copy just so you can kind of see where we're coming from from this perspective. And it's a really great kind of concise ebook. It's not one of our, you know, tomes that's going to require hours and hours oh, to yeah. read it. it and this is a nice, yeah. simple, um, actionable, good read. You did a great Thank job putting it together. <laughs> Thank you. The other thing I would like to invite you guys to is we are having a webinar next week on February 20th, and it is on collaboration. It will expand on some of the things we talked on today and also from the ebook as well. So nice. you can tune in for that if you want a, a little bit more on collaboration. Another, there's two specific ebook resources that I want to recommend to you right now. The first is how to create and manage a sales playbook mm -hmm. um, because I think that'll really help you get grounded in this idea of a playbook and creating it. I give a little bit of information in this ebook about that idea, that concept of the sales playbook. But then I also, there is another ebook that we, that Elizabeth actually wrote on how to essentially prune your sales playbook and keep it going, keep your sales playbook moving. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's another great resource on how to continue that collaboration once you've started the ball rolling. I also want to recommend you guys to another ebook called Sales and Marketing Alignment. And in that ebook, we share a lot about how teams can collaborate cross-functionally and how your sales team can drive marketing and how marketing can drive sales, which is really, really cool. And 
we are doing a masterclass next Ooh. month on sales and marketing alignment and how to create plans to drive sales and marketing. That is going to take place on Wednesday, March 27th. So there will be more details to come. Um, I don't know that we have a call to action for you yet in this show notes, but just stay tuned to what we've got going on because that is coming up here. Mark your calendar. That is going to be a live event uh, at 2 p.m. that day. All right. Perfect. Yeah. That so is lots, lots of resources. resources. I, I told you. To keep up with you. I'm, <laughs> I'm super proud of myself, actually, for that. Um, but uh, and the reason we have so many of these resources and so many ebooks that touch on collaboration is because it's such a core philosophy for us at CFS. Certainly. And something that hopefully comes out in so many of our ebooks, even ones that you didn't mention, like when change management kind of occurred to me. Um, we talk about collaboration because that's our, a core philosophy for us at Criteria for Success is that teamwork. Work is so important when it comes to sales. We don't want to just be training individuals um, to work as individuals. We want to train teams to work together to build out playbooks for their organizations Definitely. that they work together to build. That's such a great point. I want to harp on that a little bit because we do get individual salespeople frequently mm -hmm. that ask us to work with them. Mm -hmm. And can you train us and can you do this? And it's something that we explain to them is that we don't work with individual salespeople. We want to work with you and your team so that you guys can grow together because one person can't succeed on their own. And it also takes, it goes all the way back to that buy-in conversation. Yeah. If one person is committed to success and everyone else is not, then it's not going to work. Not gonna work. <laughs> You're wasting your time. You got to get your team on board with you. Absolutely. And um, that's such an important thing. It, it can't even be just the manager is bought in. It really has to be um, the whole team. And we can help with that, certainly. certainly. And we've, yeah. we've had clients where the management team was all bought in and collaborating, <laughs> um, and the sales team was resistant, and we have to get through some, some pain and tribulation yep. uh, to get the whole team engaged. But yep. that's, that's the first step, and you, you really have to do it. So I would love to keep talking to you about collaboration. And there is so much more included in your ebook. Um, for all of our listeners, if you want to learn more, please, please, please download a copy. You can find it again in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 125. Thank you so much for listening to Let's Talk Sales. Stay tuned for Friday's inspiration, where Rebecca will be sharing an inspirational quote from Booker T. Washington, definitely an American hero and a really great guy um, to learn from, shared a lot of wisdom. And tune in next week when Rebecca will be talking to Brian Robinson, the author of The Selling Formula. I think that's a brand new book that just recently yep. came out, yep. which is awesome. We love talking to authors. They have such um, wisdom that they've kind of distilled into their concepts that they put in their books absolutely all month we are writing about collaboration on the cfs blog you can check it out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog if you're enjoying the show please recommend us to a friend and subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever it is that you find your podcasts and while you're there please leave us a rating and a review this will help more people find the show and it lets us know what's working and what we have room to improve and remember follow us on twitter at let's underscore talk underscore sales Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Rebecca Toomey, Ariana Miskell, and me, Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!